Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. <laughs> Commander Burnham. Lieutenant Sayer. You found your way home. As did you. And I'm so grateful. Thank you. Hey folks, welcome to another episode of Positively Trek. I'm Dan Gunther. With me as he is every week is Bruce Gibson. Bruce, how are you doing today? I'm having a lovely day. That's excellent. (laughs) Well, I am also having a lovely day and I am so excited for this week's episode. We have a special treat for all of our listeners. We are going to be talking today to the actor Adil Hussein who you may remember as Mr. Sahil from season three of Star Trek Discovery. So we'll be getting to that interview a little later in the show. I got to tell you, I'm fan geeking out about that. It was an absolute thrill. And uh, I think it's a really fun discussion. You guys are really going to enjoy it. Yeah, he was very pleasant to talk to, a really nice gentleman, and uh, I think everybody's really going to enjoy the interview. Yeah, for sure. Well, like I said, we'll have that for you in a little while, but first we do want to get to some news that has come out in the last week in the Star Trek universe, and starting off with some unfortunately very sad news, Christopher Plummer, famed Shakespearean actor, hails from Canada, has passed away at the age of 91, and Star Trek fans, of course, will know Christopher Plummer as the villainous General Chang from Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country. So, yeah, very sad to learn this news this week. It is. It's very sad because you and I have even talked that we're getting to that point in Star Trek. It's been around for so long that a lot of these people in front of the camera and behind the camera are getting up there in age. And we're seeing more and more people that we know that are connected to the franchise passing away. And honestly, when I think of Christopher Plummer, the first thing that comes to my mind is The Sound of Music. I grew up with Mm -hmm. that movie. My mom had the vinyl album, and I used to listen to it quite often. And when he appeared as General Chang in Star Trek The Undiscovered Country, I remember thinking, that's the guy from The Sound of Music? Doesn't look quite right, but of course he's a Klingon. He looks totally different, but it was just really weird. I was like, should he start singing? Yeah, an incredible actor, a huge amount of range, and someone who also was very active right up to his passing here. he I, I think the most recent thing I saw him in was the film Knives Out. Yes. Great performance in that movie, but he's been in more films since then even as well. So uh, incredibly prolific and a huge loss. So very, very sad. Well, a couple of weeks ago, we did talk about a documentary about Nichelle Nichols called Woman in Motion. Nichelle Nichols, Star Trek and the Remaking of NASA is the full title there. And uh, we had talked about it being shown in theaters and a limited engagement. But we've now learned that it will also be available on digital and on demand starting on February 16th of this year. So 
uh, yeah, excited that we'll definitely have a few different ways of being able to see this documentary. I am so thrilled because that's the thing we asked for when we covered this before in a previous episode. It's like it's in theaters and I was saying I don't feel comfortable going to a theater with COVID, but I might do it because I really want to see this, but I would prefer to somehow get it digitally some other manner. And so I'm all in for this. I'm not going to the theater for sure now. <laughs> I'm going to watch it on my TV. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. So it was uh, it was in the theater this past weekend, but like we said, you can now catch it on uh, digital on demand uh, starting on February 16th. So, well, speaking of digital ways of seeing things, we of course have more Paramount Plus television spots for their upcoming dropping of the new version, the replacement for CBS All Access Paramount Plus. And uh, we're not going to go through these, but there are a bunch of new TV spots that feature various characters from across the CBS and Paramount properties, as well as, of course, our favorite Star Trek characters. Uh, I'll have links to all of those TV spots in the show notes. These are only viewable in the U.S., but uh, there are other ways, I think, on the Paramount Plus Instagram. A lot of those are viewable internationally as well. But uh, yeah, these were fun ads. I loved, as you pointed out, this final ad, this Super Bowl commercial that actually features Patrick Stewart at the top of Paramount Mountain. Yeah, because everybody's on the journey to Paramount Mountain and then they get up there and there's Patrick Stewart and he welcomes everyone to the top of Paramount Mountain. And yeah, it's, it's, it's enjoyable. It's fun. I'm also glad to see that we had a spot of a ice bridge that we see Burnham. Cause I was wondering when we're seeing other earlier spots, we're seeing Pike and Spock. And I was like, I'm surprised they're not touching on the other Star Trek. So I was great, very grateful to see that we, uh, Burnham in a scene. So that was pretty cool. It was almost like getting a new Star Trek little clip, you know? <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Plus, you get to see Burnham reacting to Beavis and Butthead. So, you know, that's that's fun. Yeah. <laughs> and there's slightly different versions of some of these. There were some that are just a standard promo and then others that are tweaked a little differently and feature different things for the Super Bowl commercial that aired. Absolutely. So, yeah, those are a lot of fun. Be sure to check those out if you haven't seen them. Uh, you know, kind of tongue in cheek. Don't expect, you know, a level of seriousness. Just, yeah, enjoy them for what they are. And our final story before we get into the interview, we have uh, Star Trek Lower Decks and Star Trek Picard nominated for NAACP Image Awards. So this is pretty exciting. There are two nominations for Lower Decks. The show itself was nominated for Outstanding Animated Series going up against some definitely big names. Uh, so that's pretty cool. But even more exciting is Don Lewis, who plays Captain Freeman on the show, was also nominated for Outstanding Character Voiceover Performance. So, uh, yeah, very, very cool. Nice recognition for Lower Decks here. I was so thrilled that Don Lewis got into Lower Decks because, of course, I used to watch her on A Different World, which takes place at a college, and I was in college at the time. So I used to watch it every week when a new episode came out. But, yeah, it's so great to see Lower Decks being nominated for an awards, especially for image awards from the NAACP. That's pretty cool. Well, Lower Decks is not the only Star Trek series to be recognized. Hanalee Culpepper, 
Uh, one of the directors in Star Trek Picard was nominated for Outstanding Directing in a Drama Series for the series premiere of Star Trek Picard, the episode Remembrance. Again, uh, up against some formidable competition for this award. So uh, best of luck to Han Lee Culpepper. Uh, really excited for these nominations as well. Yeah, I love her directing style. I really like what she did with Picard, and I hope that she wins this. Of course, I hope everybody who's nominated Star Trek-wise wins. <laughs> Definitely. Now, interestingly, these, these are the first image nominations for Star Trek since 1997. Uh, the original series, Nichelle Nichols was nominated for her role in The Voyage Home. Avery Brooks, two nominations for his work on Deep Space Nine. And the most recent one was Alfra Woodard for her supporting role in Star Trek First Contact. So it's been quite a while that Star Trek's been recognized uh, by these awards. Wait a second. They've been recognized, but they've never won. Okay? No, They've been never. nominated. Ugh. Okay, we have got to get a win out of this one. Absolutely. It's very deserving, I think. Well, that's it for this week's news. Stay tuned after this brief message, and we'll be right back with the interview with Adil Hussein. We appreciate you listening to Positively Trek. We are an independent podcast and rely on listeners like you to help us bring you new episodes each week. If you are interested in becoming a patron of the show and supporting us with a monthly donation, please visit patreon.com slash positivelytrek. Perks include exclusive content as well as shoutouts and producer credits and more. Hosting fees and other expenses do add up fast and we appreciate any help you can give us. But don't worry, Positively Trek is free and always will be. Thank you for all of your continued support and we appreciate you spending your time with us. And now, back to the show. So we have a special treat for our listeners today. Joining us is an actor from season three of Star Trek Discovery, as well as from many other varied projects. Please welcome to the show, Mr. Adil Hussein. Thank you so much for joining us. It's an absolute pleasure. Positively Trek, and uh, we need a lot of positivity. So thank you for inviting me, Dan and Bruce. Thank you so much. And thank you for waking up so early in the morning uh, to <laughs> with me. <laughs> And thank you for staying up at night. <laughs> it's not too late. It's nine o'clock in the evening now. Oh, we're just getting started. This is going to be a long party. We're going way into the early hours. <laughs> Absolutely. Excellent. Yeah. So thank you so much. That was one thing, seeing your character in season three of Discovery and our podcast, Positively Trek. It just seemed such a perfect fit because... Uh, your your presence in that show was just such a positive one. And uh, for those of you listening who may need a little uh, refresh of the memory, he played Mr. Aditya Sahil, the uh, officer that Burnham finds in the first episode of season three, uh, the one who searches for discovery and, and comes up empty in that first episode. But uh, for such a, a limited role, for such a small role, you're only in three episodes of the season. It was such a memorable one. You really made an impact on uh, on a lot of viewers. A lot of what I'm seeing online, a lot of people really, really loved your role in the season. I was pretty surprised and uh, overwhelmed and touched and moved as well. And I was actually thinking about it, that why that has happened so. And I have received thousands of messages on Twitter on Facebook, on, on Instagram, uh, then I thought it probably was also that the, the theme of uh, Star Trek, 
uh, right from the beginning. You know, my, my mother-in-law is a great fan since 60s. And uh, <laughs> so she's the happiest one in my entire family that I'm in Star Trek. And I'm so happy to have make my mother-in-law happy, uh, Kay. And I, I'm just, uh, I just thought that it's the, it's the personification of the theme of Star Trek. My role, Aditya Sahil. Uh, that the values that Star Trek had been propagating since then to bring the inclusivity that Star Trek had been propagating different kinds of people and species and ideas that we should bring everybody together and have a have one universe, which is a metaphor, of course, for you know at least the the divisive policies most of the politicians across the globe had been practicing since Donkey's years. So I think that that is one of the most important reasons that the writer's room, the writers have written it and placed it in such a place in the, in the narrative. And I feel that that is one of the major reasons that uh, people have responded so well. Well, I, I, I'm not trying to be modest here. I would also say that, yes, uh, my experience of being an actor, um, since my, you know, since I was an eight-year, eight-year-old kid, uh, came into play. But no matter, I always believe that no matter how good you are an actor, or brilliant you are an actor, or decent you are an actor, if the episode doesn't work, nobody remembers you. That had been my experience so far in my. Uh, this Star Trek would be my most probably seventy-seventh venture. I have started acting in films only eleven years ago. Uh, otherwise, I had been a stage actor all my life. So I, uh, from 77 projects that I have done, which includes, of course, uh, you know, short films and series and films and documentaries as well. Uh, that's my that's my analysis in a way that if the narrative works, if the direction works, if the other departments they all come together thematically, and then they write a narrative and the character is played decently by an actor, you know, who, who embodies the role uh, with the positivity that, that the series had been propagating since so many decades. I think those all came together in, in this case. That's, that's my feeling. I'm curious about the, uh, the influence that Star Trek had in your youth in India, was it something that was there was an awareness of, or or was it kind of not really something that people saw and talked about regularly? Very interesting question because uh, I have to tell you a small little uh, uh, incident that not an incident, but the first day when I ended up on the set of Star Trek, and it was a huge thing, you know. A guy from a place where I am right now talking from is not probably. Yeah, it's on the map, but still. It's a small little town and newspapers used to come three days later after they were published, you know. Uh, so I'm born here and I spent 17 years of my life here. Then I went to the capital city and then to capital of the country to study acting at the, at the National School of Drama in New Delhi. So when they asked me, first day when they introduced me, there was this I don't know whether you know this or not. So this is, uh, I think it would be wonderful to share with uh, other Star Trek uh, Trekkies that uh, they um, formed a circle, all the HODs and actors. First time when I went to the set and they formed a circle and uh, the director, Mr. Ola Tunde, 
who introduced me that this is Adil Hussain from India is going to play Aditya Sahil, the, the liaison in the inter, intergalactic liaison. And uh, they, they all looked at me and I didn't know about this ritual. So <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, I have to speak, I have to say something. So I said precisely this, I said, I'm born, you know, I was born in a place where the newspapers used to come three days after they were published. And then today I'm crossing galaxies. You know, this is a huge uh, honor and, and a privilege for me. And thank you for including me in the Star Trek family. So uh, the question that you asked me, I guess it answers a little bit that when I grew up here, there was no television. <laughs> there were no televisions. And we had, we barely got newspapers. Uh, but I came to know about it because we used to get a bit of a television signal from another country which is close to our part of the country in India called Bangladesh. And we had to put in 75 feet long antenna to catch the signal. And someone has to be up in the, on the roof in order to move the antenna to catch the signal. And somehow we managed to watch barely when the weather is not disturbing we used to get <laughs> you know tiny bits and pieces of a star trek they were they were telecasting from another country so we so we could not actually become fan due to these logistical uh, issues but when i went to the big city and i started watching it and it's amazingly overwhelming the kind of you know futuristic uh, vision of uh, humanity and the rest of the species. Of course, I was very young then to understand the metaphor, but slowly as I had grown older, understood the metaphor so, so wonderfully and so profound it is. Uh, so no, I haven't been, uh, it's a long answer to a short question, but you said we have uh, till morning. So I thought, okay, let's uh, go for it. <laughs> That's right. I just finished my first drink. So let me get to a question about then how did you get linked to Star Trek? How did you end up with this role? Because you're talking about, you know, traveling so far to play this part. Did they reach out to you or did you audition online? How did it come about? Well, that's an interesting question. Um, I had been, I, I did my first uh, Hollywood film in in my second year after I joined sort of I started doing films you know 2010 uh, sorry the th second year 2011 I did Life of Pi I guess I don't know it never crossed my mind that I should have an agent in Hollywood uh, but I went to shoot for a film in Oman an Indian film and my co-actor uh, she was Iraqi American and who came with her agent to shoot the film in Oman, and she saw me and she said, oh my God, how are you doing? You know, we loved you in the life of Pi and all that. And then she asked me, so who is your agent in, in, in LA? I said, nobody. <laughs> agent? Who <laughs> has an agent? <laughs> <laughs> she said, what are you doing? I mean, you, you must get an agent. I said, well, I've never thought about it. And I got my first Hollywood film without an agent sitting in New Delhi. So I thought, this is how you get it. She said, no, no, no. You have to have an agent and you know you have to so would you mind if i represent you i said no go ahead do it so uh, that was 2016 i guess or 17 i forgot and then she had been sending me audition pieces and most of the time i had been so busy in india doing other projects 
So I could not really, you know, uh, sort of uh, prepare myself to do an audition. Uh, so she was pretty disappointed with me for a long time. And she asked me that, uh, are you not interested? I said, I'm interested, but I, I'm not desperate, you know what I mean? Uh, I'm getting so many good roles here in India. And also I had been doing a lot of European films, crossover films, as they call it here in India, and parallel films or independent art house films, as they call it here. So, uh, but then I said, if, you, if I get a good role, and uh, if I have time to prepare for the audition, then it's worth attempting something. You know? So I was shot actually, you know, the Bruce, I was in Atlanta in 2019, in the whole two months in April and May. And after that, I, I stayed back in Washington, D.C. because my mother-in-law and uh, they lived there in Washington, D.C. And so I had a holiday and my agent sent me this audition piece and saying, are you interested to act in Star Trek? I said, yes, of course I am. If the, if the scene is good, I'll do it. So wait, did your, your agent contacted you about this role in Star Trek while you were at your mother-in-law's, who's a Star Trek fan? Yes. What a coincidence. <laughs> That's so cool. <laughs> I was in a house, you know, Yeah. <laughs> in D.C. And, uh, and, and then I said, uh, let me read the scene. And I read the scene and I loved it instantaneously i fell in love with it i said okay so the phone that i'm using right now to talk to you i used that phone and the stand and i asked my wife to read the other character and my brother-in-law who's married to my <laughs> my uh, wife's elder sister she he took the camera and uh, shot the scene and he said i loved it i said okay i trust you and then I sent it. And after a week, uh, my agent got back to me and said, you are in. I was like, wow. So we celebrated there. And, and then, yeah, that's how I got it. Oh, that's so cool. <laughs> yeah. So your, your acting career, I, I did a little bit of digging and, and I was interested to learn that you initially wanted to be a pilot and the kind of parallel experiences of, of flying and being an actor, you made some really interesting kind of connections there. What initially attracted you to wanting to be an actor and, and kind of capture that feeling as, as you described? Yes. So I was in, uh, in, the, in the kindergarten and uh, that was 1971. And the first play that I did, which is a two-actor play, The Cap Maker and The Sailor, and I played the cap maker and it was a half an hour skit. So the play got over and I came down uh, and asked my director, who was my teacher in the school, self, and I asked her that, is it already half an hour? And she said, yes. I said to her that, but it felt like five minutes to me. So this, I think that the time stood still for me. And that has happened for me for the first time in my life. Well, I was only eight, year old, eight years old, so it was not like I had a long, I lived a long life. But I felt the magic of this time not, you know, it didn't pass for me. So later when I sort of looked back and, um, you know, uh, to that experience, I felt that when I do not feel the time passing, then I, I don't age as well. You know, the biologically, I feel that I have not really spent half an hour. I, I only spent five minutes. And then when I started studying acting at the drama school and I had great teachers and they had sort of made me 
go through so many exercises that I didn't realize that three hours have passed, you know? It felt like 30 minutes or 40 minutes at the most. And we looked at the watch and it's already three hours later. So it seemed like acting has that quality, you know? It, 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 It has that element where you are in the moment. You are sort of not only in the moment, but the degree of being in the moment probably decides how good you are an actor. The deeper one is in the moment, the better you are as an actor because everything stops, but you are aware of everything around you and and yet you are also focused on a tiny thing. So it's like focus, concentration, alertness, attentiveness, and awareness is the is the culmination of all these three or four things. So when I tasted that, and I continued to do plays after plays in the schools and the colleges, by the time I was 14, I think I sort of, this is what I want to do. It wasn't like I want to be an actor, but it was like, I would like to do this, what I'm doing. And then I came to know, you know without Google those days or telephone or cell phone or anything, that there is an institution in India where they teach you acting and it's free of cost. If you get a seat, you get a, you get a scholarship. So otherwise I couldn't have afforded. I come from a very, very lower middle-class family. My father, my father was a school teacher, didn't earn much money. So he couldn't have afforded. I couldn't have taken a loan like in America. There was no loan system those days. And nobody gives a loan if you want to study acting, you know? <laughs> because there is no guarantee that you'll get back the money. <laughs> so, yeah, that's how it started, Dan. So one thing that I was kind of wondering about, uh, I my, my wife is from a Punjabi family, so I have a very small amount of exposure to kind of Indian cinema, but not a lot. And I was, I was kind of wondering what's kind of the big difference between working in Indian cinema versus uh, kind of in the West. Right. Good question, because I had been lucky, one of the lucky actors uh, in India who had worked in so many uh, projects abroad and here as well. The, the, the difference, I think, is of sort of uh, pre-planning and planning and the, the, the meticulousness of the planning and the preciseness of execution of the, what you have planned. You know, that is something that I miss here very, very much. In India, probably, I didn't understand, I'm not a sociologist, so I couldn't figure out the reason that we uh, somehow feel it's okay, it will happen, no worries, you know? (laughs) Don't have to plan so much. (laughs) So (laughs) it somehow feels, it comes from the fact, I think that inherently Indians, they believe in uh, their next life, you know? I think inherently Indians, believe that we will come back again, there is a next life, another life, and we'll do it right that time. Uh, That has an advantage that we are relaxed. The disadvantage is that we produce a lot of mediocrity, you know, so that's the disadvantage. The advantage of being uh, meticulously, uh, you know, uh, planned is that uh, you come up with a basic standard, a benchmark is very high and you do not fall from there. Uh, The disadvantage is that one becomes so fanatic about it that you become very tensed. 
I've seen a lot of people, if you miss a line, deadline, and you're like, you're completely tensed and all that, which is great in a way. But at the same time, I feel that, you know, just it's okay. You know, it's not the end of the world. <laughs> I think we've all seen those videos of like Hollywood people blowing up on set and yes. just having a complete <laughs> meltdown. And oh, what a tense atmosphere that must be. Yeah, it'd be nice to find that happy medium. You know, take it seriously and plan, but not too seriously, and it's going to be all right. And yeah. let's just do. Just be in the moment and do. That is very Indian way. That's very Indian way. Uh, we don't try best, try our best, but we must. So the East and West, have, you know, they have to meet somewhere wonderfully to have this, you know, exchange of cultural behavior, I would say, you know, and, and probably we'll get a fantastic bunch of people who would be relaxed and at the same time, uh, very, very prepared as well. So what was that feeling on the set of Star Trek Discovery compared to other works that you've done? What was, how was the approach on that set? How were the actors compared to other actors and their approach to their characters. See, uh, I worked in the third season, so I guess most of the actors, including most of my scenes, were uh, with Sonequa Martin Green and an amazing human being. We'll come to that later. Uh, and uh, David Ojala. So they were already. They have found their role. They have found their groove. You know, they have found their way into the character they're playing. And also. Um, the directors and writers and all the HODs and, and, and they were so well prepared. Like, for example, uh, uh, my, the costume that I was wearing in the first uh, episode, it took almost seven trials for me to get it like one millimeter, uh, half a millimeter adjustments, you know, till the last... And, and so that, that's, that's the meticulousness that they practice. That's what I admire about the Western productions very, very much. Because then there is a chance that could, something could go, you know, always wrong, but it wouldn't be huge. It's tiny. So we can accept it, if at all we have the attitude to accept it. So uh, that was amazing for me. And the warmth of the people, that is extraordinary in this particular set of Star Trek. So to tell you, the, to, to give you an example, so after I finished my speech, which is uh, consisted of only three sentences, as I already said, that I came from this place and I'm now crossing the galaxies. After that, Sonequa Martin Green, she, uh, I know she is the lead lady because I've seen her, uh, you know, in Star Trek first and second season. So she came to the center and she's, she stretched her arms and said, Adil, can I give you a hug? Which I did not expect at all, you know. So she came, I went to the center of the circle and I, we gave each other a tight hug. And she whispered that I'm so looking forward to working with you, which broke down all boundaries. You know, the, the best part, I think I cherish all those parts in my life where two people are meeting in equal terms and in the most valued human values are sort of meeting each other, recognizing the other person as a human being, as, as, as a living being in, in the Star Trek, it's not only human being, so as a living sentient being. And that broke all boundaries and I didn't have to act, which I had to just, respond to her lines you know seeing her uh, when she walked in it itself gave me the thrill 
of seeing someone after 40 years from Starfleet. So I was lucky to have such a generous and wonderful and warm and beautiful co-actor uh, on the set. Yeah, I, I like her approach to that because, as you mentioned, there, you've got an established cast, so you're the outsider coming into this environment. And to feel welcomed, and by giving you that hug in the middle of the circle, it's like it's saying you're important, you're supported, and and having that support from your fellow castmates gives you that freedom and ability to relax and just feel that you are part of the whole and not from the outside. Absolutely, Bruce. Absolutely. Also, because she is also, because there are a lot of people are different, like uh, directors are changing. Probably other crew members are also different in different episodes. Quite some time I've seen. But she is constant and other actors, few of them are very you know, constant. Uh, so I think that she plays that amazing, uh, she has that amazing leadership, which probably holds everything together. And she has that. And I have seen how highly people are talking about her all the time. You know, uh, everybody, everybody. So I was lucky that my scenes are with her. Uh, I'm sure other actors are amazing as well. Yeah, but I haven't met them properly, so I can't tell. But looking at their work, all of them are amazing people. That that first scene, or, or like we see you at the very beginning of the, the episode, but that scene with Sinuka Martin-Green and David Ajala, the the acting, even even just the 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 expressions on your face I, I think the moment i fell in love with your character was when burnham presents you with the commission and it's so subtle you're you're kind of squinting holding back a tear and it's just beautiful i love that moment and it just i i watched that probably for the fourth time that scene just the other day kind of preparing for this interview and i got like just as choked up as i did the first time like it's incredible that was all written by the way i just precisely followed the direction which was on the script. It is inbuilt in the script directions that he chokes, he clears his throat, uh, he has got moist eyes. So I just followed that. And I understand uh, the, 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 the background story, the backstory, and a person who is there, sitting there for 40 years, you know, waiting and dedicated his entire life to something for a greater cause and what could possibly be his, his emotional state of being, meeting a person after 40 years and that too from Star Trek and who could possibly, you know, who has the authority to commission him or not him. He didn't expect that commission at all. He just wanted the flag to be hoisted. So yeah, it's, it's this amazingly written scene and I fell in love with it. The, the time I read it, I was like, wow, what, a, what an opportunity for any actor, for that matter, to play that. It's a feast for an actor to play that role. And, and you mentioned about the character waiting 40 years. I mean, we see, as Dan mentioned at the beginning of that first episode, him getting up morning after morning. I, I guess you call it brushing your teeth or something. You, know? yes, you don't yes, really brush yes. them. But, and the bird clock and all that. And he sits at the desk. I would imagine 40 years he's doing more than just that. I mean, maybe that's the routine every morning, but 
did you fulfill in some blanks to maybe what he's been going through for 40 years? Well, that's definitely one of the first question, uh, question that I had to ask myself, what have I been doing? I mean, he sits there all day. So apart from that, I, uh, being an Indian, so since they have chosen someone from South Asia to play that role, they could have chosen from any part of the world. So what is special about South Asia? South Asians, and especially in India, we have been gifted many spiritual great masters since donkey's years, since thousands of years. We have the first spiritual book written 5,000 years ago, you know, and we have the book still, and we, we read it uh, pretty regularly. And there are great masters, enlightened masters. So I thought that maybe he had been meditating a lot to just retain his sanity uh, and even, even more, even go deeper into it, you know, finding oneself, the true identity of a person who, what, what we consider in India is not that, we are not only, we are not, human being is just one form, you know, in this dimension. It's just a physical form, but what truly we are is pure energies. We are pure energies and this dimension of the earth of this particular time uh, and space that we had been born as human beings otherwise we are just pure energies and to be able to identify that to be able to recognize that not intellectually but actually experientially one has uh, been bestowed with when i say one i would say me but or it is accessible to everybody in india and everywhere in the world uh, a lot of tools uh, left behind by the great masters and still uh, there are masters here i know one of them personally so i've been practicing meditation for the last 20 years to identify myself and to consolidate and to fortify my experiential belief not a sort of a, a fictional belief but experiential belief that I'm not, uh, human being is just a, just a physical form. You know, this is not who I am. Yes, that is also who I am, but it's not uh, the ultimate reality. The reality is that I'm pure energy, but in this dimension, I am a human being. That's about it, which is precisely, I feel, is the theme of Star Trek. Excellent. Yeah. Speaking of the theme of Star Trek, I think one that really emerged from season three and, and kind of related to that, I think, is this idea of connection. And, and we kind of see that very early on in that first episode, you know, Burnham trying to find the discovery and making that connection with you. And then at the end of the series season, we get kind of the the quote from Gene Roddenberry wrapping it all up and saying, you know, connecting with if you connect with just one person really strongly in your life, you're you're ahead of most people. I, I know I'm butchering that quote, but it's something along those lines. How do you feel that that character that you played embodied that idea of connection? In a way, that's what I think personally as well. That's That's my personal belief, what you have just quoted. If you can connect with one person, you can connect with thousands. You have the ability to do that. And David Achala's special ability is that he is an empath and he connects with not only human beings, but with all kinds of things and creatures. And so that's a very, very uh, fundamental belief in Indian 
acting uh, and theater. There had been a, a guru, this word is pretty common in the West, so of course you would know the word guru. Guru, the meaning of the word means, it means the one who sheds light in darkness. That's the meaning of the word. There was an actor uh, who is a classical Indian actor, and he was such an empath that if he goes to see his friend uh, who is ill, he would he would be ill himself after meeting him. You know, and I have been taught by one of his disciples, and I read about him. I went to uh, meet his disciple, and that person had been performing till he died. And he learned how to stop his heartbeat by practicing breathing. And that also is a skill that actor learns in that particular classical form of theater in India. And it's a highly developed skill. Unfortunately, in India, we haven't been, uh, we did not include that practice in the modern drama schools, which is such a, such a pity. And I think that even West could uh, probably had, could have gained a lot if this had been propagated well, and we probably would have a better world than what we have now. So um, I connected easily because that's normal for me. Uh, and, and the character I'm playing, since this is also very interesting, um, that I always believe that I'll be cast in the roles that I'm supposed to play. That's why I never had an agent who would sort of, you know, uh, navigate uh, her way through and, and snatch a role from some other actor. I never believed in that at all. Like India, I don't have an agent. I sit at home and, you know, I get offers and I'm flooded with offers. And I believe that if I'm supposed to play, I'm supposed to be part of a project, universe will find a way to bring that project towards me, if at all I deserve it. And with gratitude and humility, I accept it. And I do my best as best as I can with whatever wisdom and skills I have. So uh, Aditya Sahil, the role that I played, I think the casting itself had resolved the dilemma, or the, the or not resolved, the casting itself had sort of found the solution, you know, to, to, for the role and for the theme. Uh, otherwise, they would have cast somebody else, not me, you know. And that person would have brought something else completely different, could be equally or even better than what I brought. But um, the connection is, I think it's an or organic connection. It's a connection of the uh, galactic galaxy coming together. You know, <laughs> so that's my connection. Nothing else, nothing else. Yeah, because they already have a sense of who this character is. So really, when they're casting and they're looking at auditions, in a lot of ways, they're looking for that person and you identified as that person to them. So there is that connection. So the role was meant for you. It, it certainly was. Otherwise, I wouldn't have been there. <laughs> Well, one of my uh, favorite surprises in the season finale, and like I got extremely giddy when this happened, is you show up again right at the end of the episode. You know, for all the the crazy action and all this stuff that that's happening in the season finale, that was by far my favorite moment was seeing you again. And and a question that 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 Bruce put forward actually the other day that that I really loved. Did you have to come back to film that or were those scenes kind of filmed back to back when like 
were you filming at the same time that you filmed the the first episode or did you come back weeks later to film that bit oh no i came back much later yeah much later yeah first episode we shot i shot in september this was probably i forgot the dates uh, but much later a few quite a few months later actually that that scene almost at the same level as in that that first episode i i love the emotion you're showing it's it's a, a contrast to your appearance in that first episode. And first of all, that huge smile that you show when you see Burnham, uh, I, I'd, I'd like you to speak a little bit about that, about what was kind of going through your mind filming that bit, because that just felt so genuine seeing that on screen. The entire journey of the, I read the script uh, of episodes, what happened in between and the enormity of the, you know, of the events, which which is like huge, you know, in galactic scale. And after that, I could have been dead. I could have been forgotten. Um, I could have been, you know, killed by somebody. And But when things happen that uh, you turned up <laughs> and seeing the person who is, uh, who is the first one that I met after 40 years, the joy that one feels, and joy not only seeing Michael Burnham, but the joy of seeing Sonequa. You see, that's what we, we had been just talking about in the previous question that you asked me, that Michael Burnham is being played by Sonequa Martin-Green and nobody else. Itself is fated. I, I, I might sound pretty sautering, but it's for me, it's normal. <laughs> so uh, she had been gifted uh, to play this role and a lot of things had i know i had long 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 chats with her during the shoot uh, really long chats and she shared a lot of things what she, you know what she was doing before star trek and how her life was and i shared my how my life was and so uh, if we look at that it's a it's it's like once in a billion of chance for anybody playing these two roles you know and it it's it's her playing michael burnham and in a very very smaller part that i that i had been chosen if i use the word chosen uh, in a very very uh, mystical way <laughs> so uh, it's the meeting of these two souls in a way uh, in the last scene uh, would uh, naturally sort of bring about that joy that I felt. It, it, I didn't have to, as I said, I didn't have to so-called act. It just, it just happened. And uh, for that, of course, one has to work hard in order to just be there, being there in the moment and just being there looking at the person. And, uh, you know, and it, it was such a joy to see her. Uh, and, and, and you saw her expression on our face as well. And, you know, it was such a, such a delightful, tiny little scene. And I had to fly from India to Toronto to shoot that. And that, that shot lasted like one hour to shoot. And just, I was there for one hour, you know? Yeah, that's why I was wondering if maybe they shot it before and just, you know, used it later. But no, that's crazy that they brought you all that way. Yeah, you know, I'm kind of hoping right now that you're deceiving us. 
that you're actually in Toronto just saying you're in in because you don't want to let on that you're going to do this again. <laughs> um, yeah, it could be anywhere in the world, actually. <laughs> right. I'm just seeing walls and windows. That could be anywhere. Yeah, true. <laughs> the other moment from that scene that, that I absolutely loved, and I've seen a lot of people commenting online, was, of course, you greet uh, Sinuka Martin-Green's character with a namaste. And right. uh, I, I was curious about that. If that was, was that in the script or was that something that you had suggested or how did that come about? I suggested that. Yeah. I, I kind of thought so. That's really cool. I asked uh, Olatunde that, you know, uh, since I'm from India, my name is Aditya Sahil, which is very uh, defining name, you know, and uh, Aditya, the word means the one who is uh, second to none kind of a thing. It's, it's unique. It means unique. And it, and it, the name is Sanskrit, the, the ancient language from uh, India. And uh, anybody uh, who would greet uh, Namaste, also the word means that I bow to your divine self. Uh, I, I, I recognize your divine self. I bow down to your divine self. So I thought that was so appropriate uh, to use that. And I suggested, and, and, and he immediately said, yes, of course, let's go with that. And also it is uh, representing this part of the world in Star Trek, you know, because it, it is also, one has to also understand the, the, the political time, the social time of the, of the world as well. And it is about representing uh, so many different kinds of people in, in Star Trek, you know, the LGBTQ community is represented so beautifully here. And this is one of the shows, or maybe the show, or the show uh, where inclusivity had been practiced to a great extent. And that also, you know, it, 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 it represents the culture of this part of the world. Uh, which I thought was, uh, when he agreed, I thought it, it is very beautiful to do that, yeah. What do you think the future will look like in a few hundred years? Uh, personally or in Star Trek? It, personally. And do you think it would be like Star Trek? I don't know, actually. It seems, uh, so if I think about it, things which Jules Verne, Jules Verne the famous, you know, what he dreamt of or wrote or drew had come true. And I believe in visualization as well, that something you visualize in intensely enough, it comes true. Unfortunately, there are so many disaster movies are being so beautifully and extremely realistically done. I'm worried about it as well. <laughs> you know, that uh, have stopped watching all these disaster movies because I don't want to energize that as well. But somehow I feel that the shift which happened in 2012, because that was considered the you know the last hours of the ancient sunlight in a way uh, that the world is going to end in 2012 because Mayan calendar didn't have after 2012 anything written there on the calendar. Somehow I feel that we have sort of uh, averted. Is that the word, right word, averted the disaster and, and, and evolutionary process of human consciousness, even if we take it very literally, not in a mystical way, I think uh, we are getting better. I asked this question actually to Dalai Lama. I met him one-to-one -one and I had spent 15 minutes with him once 
6.30 in the morning. And I asked him that, do you think that the world is uh, better uh, than 500 years ago? Uh, in his wonderful, beautiful, you know, warm way, he said, um, see, I asked the same question uh, to uh, Queen Elizabeth on your behalf uh, a few years ago. And she said, even 70, 80 years ago, there was no concept of human rights or child rights or women's rights or, you know, the UN wasn't there. So people are evolving. And uh, I think uh, if we uh, continue to uh, take the advantage of the technology and keep the humanity and uh, human higher human values in mind, we could probably go toward an amazing future. And we have the capabilities. And I've seen the best part is, let me share this with you, that so many young people, those who are in their 80, uh, teens and in 20s and 30s, are practicing, consciously practicing to, to spread what you have, the name of your, of, of your channel is positivity, you know, and that is overwhelming and extremely, extremely encouraging to see that. Uh, I, I hope for an amazing future. Technological advancement is going to happen well, Elon Musk is sending things to <laughs> to to, the, to the to Mars and all that, uh, but I also feel that first, I guess uh, we we have to look after uh, our planet, our, our Mother Earth, uh, which we are not doing very well. But thankfully, leaderships are changing across the globe as well. Slowly, the most powerful country that uh, one of you come from. Uh, you know, has joined back the climate uh, agreement, thankfully, which is a great, great sign. In terms of civilization or social changes, Black Lives Matter with Star Trek, personally, you know, their entire team had been talking about it. It has become a common awareness now amongst people. Uh, in India, we need to do a lot in order to bring people together. There is a, you know, rise of right-wingers across the globe as well. But I have a feeling that the critical mass that I have been I have been hearing about in the New Age writings, uh, I think, is on our side who would like to see a better world, including uh, technological advancement. Uh, ad advancements are going to be used for the better future of uh, the humanity. That's what I feel personally. That's excellent. Yeah, and I mean that that really just dovetails nicely with the the whole Star Trek ethos and. And not just the technological side, but the ideological side, of course. So Bruce kind of alluded to this, and I, I'm curious. I'm I'd imagine if the answer is yes, it's not something that you would be able to tell us anyway. But I do have to ask, and kind of go on the record as asking: Is there any possibility that we might see your character in season four of Star Trek Discovery? <laughs> I could only laugh because I'm not allowed to talk about it. <laughs> That's exactly uh, what I, I wish figured. I would be. Yeah, that that much I can say, and I would be more than happy, and you know, to be part of it. The fanatic Trekkies have been uh, tagging the writers' room as well. I I've seen quite a few, <laughs> <laughs> uh, pretty you know, uh, pretty intensely, and uh, let's see what happens. <laughs> yeah. So our listeners do that. Start tagging and going online and asking for him to come back and, and we're doing a whole movement here 
But, you know, on this show, on Positively Trek, not only do we cover the Star Trek episodes, we also read the novels and the comics, like all Star Trek stories. So your character could live on in print. Not that that's going to help your career. You're not going to get paid for that. But the character could live on. See, I believe that if I'm supposed to be there, I'll be there, as I told you. And uh, that's, that's how it is. I don't take acting as my career. It's my life, you know. Uh, I, it doesn't matter what I perform. I perform in living rooms and I, pl- I prepare plays and I perform in people's living rooms or, or, or on the stage or in front of the camera. So this is my life we are talking about. It's not a career. I love that you said that. But fortunately, it gives me as well some money uh, to pay my bills, which is fantastic, which is a bonus, I think. Because I love what I do and I can sleep well without any alcohol or any kind of drug so far. Yeah, I can't be more grateful for uh, what what I do and uh, what I am in terms of that I'm in love with this amazing, amazing art uh, that I fall in love with since my childhood. Well, speaking of which, uh, is do you have any projects kind of on the go that, that people would be interested in hearing about? I did see, of course, uh, that you recently got a nomination for a Critics' Choice Award uh, for the Best Actor in the Short Film Meal. So congratulations for that, for sure. Thank you. Yeah, there are quite a few uh, projects that I've done. It's One is a very, very commercial a Bollywood movie, which is a spy thriller. I play the Indian version of the CIA chief, and uh, it's, a, it's a hijack story called Bell Bottom. And then uh, I've done another art house film, which is uh, shot in the UK. Uh, it just came back from there, uh, called Foot, Footprints on Water. It is on uh, the undocumented uh, immigrants, those who go from Southeast Asia, and they go with this dream and then they end up in, in miserable lives. So that's a very intense story. I played a father who is undocumented and uh, his daughter goes missing uh, and he cannot go to the police to find his daughter. And his and through that particular plot, that you know, through the journey of the father finding his daughter, uh, the writer-director explores the misery that, you know, the kind of, all kinds of things which happen to them, including prostitution, organ cultivation, all kinds of things. It's a very intense, not dark, but pretty intense film. Well, where can uh, people find you online if they want to learn more about uh, what you're up to and maybe see hints that uh, maybe we do get to see uh, Lieutenant Sahil back in uh, season four? (laughs) Well, uh, if I have understood your question correctly, I am on Facebook uh, as Adil Hussain, which is the blue tick. I'm on Twitter, underscore Adil Hussain. And uh, again, on Instagram, underscore Adil Hussain is my Twitter handle and Instagram handle. And Facebook, of course, Adil Hussain. And these are the three uh, platforms that I'm in. And I manage it myself. I don't have any PR missionary working for me at all. And I do not believe in PR. PR, in a sense, the professional PR comes in between you and me. You know, I I do not believe that. Unless I'm working in a film, the producers hire them. So, uh, yeah. So I quite often update uh, about my uh, future work and all that. Yeah. And I'll be happy to answer questions and respond. Again, I just want to say you're only briefly in three episodes, but 
just the impact that your character made was so huge and it was a true honor to be able to have you on the show. So thank you so much for taking the time uh, to speak with us today. Dan, Bruce, positively tracked. I'm so, so privileged and honored to talk to you. It's an amazing and wonderful, wonderful chat and questions. And I'm so happy to share all that I've experienced, you know, most of it. I guess, because I worked in only three episodes, as you know, second episode, just a few shots. Uh, so most of it I've experienced and I've shared it with you. So thank you for inviting me for this chat. Thank you so much. And thank you. And thank you for sharing your life and your experiences with us. And obviously you were meant to be here on the show. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm so glad we had that chance to interview Adil because... He's been waiting 40 years for us to just show up and start the interview. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Now I'm picturing that, you know, the actor sitting there waiting for us <laughs> to come in and interview him. And yeah, the 40 years he's been waiting to tell his story. <laughs> he's like, I've been waiting so long for this podcast interview. <laughs> Well, as I've said, it was an absolute thrill to be able to talk to him. I don't know if people could tell in that interview how excited and kind of nervous I was. So uh, hopefully that didn't come across too much in the interview. But it was it was great to have him on. And I really, really do hope that we see him again next season in season four of Discovery. So I was definitely not expecting any kind of confirmation on that. But it was a question I had to ask. <laughs> yeah, but again, he said he's in India, but he's in a room like he could be anywhere. He could just be pulling the wool over our eyes and he's in Toronto right now. That's just what I want to imagine, that he's actually there. <laughs> But no, I doubt it. I think he really was at his mother's house. Probably, probably. Well, Bruce, when you're not imagining rooms in India to be anywhere else in the known galaxy, where can we find you online? <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at Admiral underscore Rex. And of course, you can find me in our Facebook group for Positively Trek, where we have discussions about Star Trek and things we've discussed here on the show. And I'm occasionally on the Star Wars Report podcast. And you can find me on Twitter. I'm at Kurtrats. That's K-E-R-T-R-A-T-S. You can also find me on YouTube.com slash Kurtrats Productions, talking about Star Trek for the most part. And you can find the show, like Bruce said, and our Positively Trek discussion group. We'd love to hear your thoughts on today's episode and any other topic under the Star Trek umbrella. Reach out to Positively Trek on Twitter at Positively Trek and on Instagram and email us PositivelyTrek at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Thank you all so much for listening this week. We'll see you in the next episode. Until then, as always, stay positive. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. 
Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.